Hello and welcome to Accommodate Unplugged on Tuesday the 14th of January 2020. Mark Pender is across the pond stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. Well, phase one of US-China trade deal is expected to be signed tomorrow, that's Wednesday, and sentiment on this front has been further bolstered by the White House apparently removing China from its official list of currency manipulators. So that's all good news and stock markets are very happy about it. But it's not all good because the European Union this week will resume its efforts to prevent a US EU-US trade war. And while Middle Eastern tensions have eased in recent days, Iran's decision to suspend all limits on its production of enriched uranium means that potential political troubles in that part of the world are far from sorted. So geopolitics should clearly remain a key focus for investors. And of course, uh, in terms of key focuses for investors, US employment comes very much into the focal point. And uh, Mr. Pender. Yes. December, a smaller than expected payroll gain, um, yeah. annual wage growth sliding below 3%. And if yeah. I remember rightly, a shorter working week as well. Should we yeah. be worried? Worried, um, you know, but the unemployment rate uh, stayed low at 3.5%. So if the worry would be that there's a slack developing in the employment and the labor market, uh, it's not uh, completely evident. Uh, you would expect the unemployment rate uh, to rise, uh, but it's holding at 50-year lows. Um, the change in non-farm payrolls was 145,000 rise, which is a perfectly respectable rate. Just by comparison, though, it's uh, more than 100,000 below the, the prior month, and it was a little bit below the average for the year. Um, it, it also reflected in part uh, 12,000 uh, uh, swing lower for manufacturing payrolls, which have been bouncing around after the GM strike. But really, the key is average hourly earnings now is that something to worry about well it's very flat maybe if you're you know in the labor force it would be something to worry about but if you're at the corporate headquarters maybe that's a good sign you're going to have higher profits uh the 2.9 percent year on year change was very weak um and, and this uh series is is pointing lower it's uh trending down um, and, uh, and the monthly rise uh, gain was only 0.1%. These were all below uh, Accommodate's consensus range. So it took uh, people by surprise. Um, and we had the CPI today with, with the core rate at, also at only 0.1 monthly uh, increase. And uh, if you do a little bit, uh, you can just write off the cuff, uh, uh, the year-on-year -year rate for uh, the CPI was 2.3 percent. Uh, average hourly earnings are 2.9 percent. So, we're talking about a half percent type of a uh, annual increase in real wages, which is not very strong. Is that going to increase? It's, it's you know it's especially not very strong uh, given how low the unemployment rate is, how much demand there is for uh, labor. Whatever is happening, uh, labor hasn't been able to. Uh, uh, get any um, uh, uh, power, any any friction, any ability to uh, to to uh, increase the uh, the wages. So um, this is very much uh, a, a corporate profit, uh, positive for corporate profits. And if you're in the stock market, it it has to be uh, you would think a a plus. Even though you're you were saying uh, where there are some signs that. Uh, maybe the economy slow for uh, a little bit at year-end. Factory orders were weak, uh, and that is a possibility. Uh, and that, uh, a little bit of lack of momentum going into the new year. But uh, like you're saying, the geopolitical uh, the, uh, 
it, it is mixed, but the trade agreement is, is a very strong positive. We've uh, immediately have seen uh, improvement in the U.S. trade uh, picture uh, with um, uh, uh, strong gains for uh, food exports, uh, a lower uh, deficit with China. So that should be a positive. Fourth quarter GDP could, could prove very strong. Depending on retail sales, we'll get retail sales on Thursday. That will show us really how the consumer spending did, which will be a vital uh, statistic here. But if, if that just go, goes normal, uh, then as expected, a solid, uh, soft, uh, moderate to solid expectations for holiday spending right now. Um, we could have a very strong fourth quarter GDP showing. Okay, let's try um, taking a different tack on this then. So we're saying that wages are going down, employment's going up. So it suggests that you know, new employees are being paid quite a lot less or indeed we're getting some wage cuts in some part of the world um, or some part of the economy, I should say. So how about the view then, if wages are really sort of semi-stagnating, at least in parts of the economy, that's got to be bad news for overall income growth, which is bad news for consumer spending, which is bad news for sales, which is bad news for corporate profits. Should mm. companies be paying their workers more? Well, this is, I don't know what the, you know, uh, uh, this goes back, if you want to talk politics, I mean, this goes back to Ronald Reagan and, and the um, uh, and the flight uh, uh, flight controllers uh, issues. Or he broke that strike, and labor has kind of never really uh, been the same since that. And 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 and, and the law of the land uh, favors uh, the corporate boards, uh, favors uh, the financial markets, financialization, um, and but that has been. Uh, uh, a long, long trend, and it's been uh, a trend where there's been a consensus in America that this is good. And uh, part of maybe what we're seeing is that the other side of this is, uh, you know, uh, flat, uh, if not, okay, stagnant wage growth over a long period of time where we've had a lot of productivity improvements. We've had the web. We've had this gigantic burst of computerization. And this hasn't helped people's productivity. This hasn't helped increase wages. We work longer and, uh, uh, for uh, uh, for no better uh, wages. I'm, anyway, but so that, uh, you know, these are kind of uh, serious issues. But they're they're stuck in this long term, uh, and it's fixed by the legal system uh, over the years. Uh, it would take a very big breakthrough. Some kind of uh, it would have to be un something probably unfortunate. Uh, like a recession or something like that, to um, to pull this out or to or to change this momentum at all. It looks like this is what is set for uh, right now, and uh, you can say that the productivity of the American worker is down, and that's why we have uh, low wages. I don't know. I I, I disagree with that. I think that. Um, the people I'm around, our productivity is so much higher than it was, and it and it grows every every year, if nothing else, because of technology. Now you got me rambling on. So okay. tell me, That'd tell me your view. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, well, a view from Europe certainly is one of, uh, I suppose, depressed productivity growth rates, particularly as far as the UK is concerned anyway. I mean, ours is currently running, what, about an average 0.3% a year over the last decade or so. Um, one reason for that, of course, is the weakness of manufacturing. And as far as Europe's concerned, this week will be another period for the IP figures. Um, and they're, I suppose, becoming increasingly important in the sense that there has been this little bit of, I suppose, optimism within Europe, at least a reduced sense of a 
pessimism as we approach the the end of last year that perhaps the worst was over and 2020 could prove to be a rather stronger European economy than originally expected. But that has been in large part predicated upon some kind of turnaround within manufacturing. So what happens this week will at least have some bearing on that. Now, regards to that, we'll get the uh, industrial production figures for uh, November out of the Eurozone. Uh, They're due on Wednesday, expected to show a small increase of about 0.3%. And that will be driven by Germany, which is still marred in recession for manufacturing. But output there was actually up 1.1% on the month uh, for the mid-quarter reading. Uh, So that's going to help to lead that. But although I guess, you know, really for the fourth quarter, Eurozone manufacturing is going to struggle still to avoid remaining in recession. The hopes are going to be from the more forward-looking indicators that they're realised in terms of higher growth once we get into the first quarter. And regards to that, I suppose uh, the most important two figures we've had out as far as ECB is concerned uh, since we last spoke, uh, the final December uh, composite PMI, particularly for manufacturing, and also the economic sentiment index released from the European Commission. They both offered hope that, well, hey, perhaps this European economy is actually starting to bottom now, and there could be slightly better things ahead. Early days yet, but it's something which obviously the ECB will be watching very closely because their first meeting of the year is next week. In terms of terrible numbers, though, and I suppose you know we talked a lot about you know central banks running out of room in a lot of countries to reduce interest rates. The UK has a little bit of scope. And although no one's been talking about any kind of shift in UK interest rates for a long time now, we had a, a succession of pretty dovish comments coming out last week from at least, what, three MPC members, including uh, the Bank of England Governor Mark Carney, who'll be holding, or I should say, attending his last MPC meeting during his governorship at the end of this month. Um, they're all talking about downside risks and all of a sudden this idea that, well, look, um, now we know kind of what's going to happen to Brexit, at least we know we're leaving, and we've got the general election out of the way, and we've got a Conservative government with a huge majority legislation can go through as they want. That might give a bit of a bounce to a business confidence and consumer confidence. Well, it's going to be needed because the November industrial production figures for the UK were horrible. Uh, total IP was down 1.2% on the month. The key manufacturing sector contracted by one7 And what does that mean? Well, it means if we don't get any revisions, uh, December will need to see a monthly increase of at least 2.2%, which is hugely unlikely. or we're going to see a contraction in fourth quarter uh, fourth quarter industrial production. And that could very much lead to a contraction in the economy as a whole, because we also had uh, November, the monthly GDP figures, uh, which were down 0.3% month on month. And that's the worst aggregate performance we've seen by the UK economy since last April. And that, of course, was when uh, the Brexit destocking effect came in, and a lot of producers simply stopped producing because they wanted to run down their excess inventories. So at the moment, and I think if you're looking around sort of the major economies and where might we see a near-term cut in interest rates, it's certainly not a done deal. We will see the Bank of England cutting the end of this month, but it does appear that pressures are starting to mount. And if we see some soft inflation numbers for December, and they're due out on Wednesday as well, then the current background, we've got what, a 7-2 vote at the moment, at least at the last meeting in terms of keeping policy on hold. You know, we may see that split start to widen a bit and possibly well, even well, enough to see a rate cut. 
Well, that's interesting about a rate cut out of the UK. I mean, a uh, theme of, la- of 2019 very arguably could have been central bank rate cuts. Uh, are we going to have the same theme for 2000 or for 2020? And if the if the Bank of England starts joining in, I mean, that would. What do you think? Well, I think at this, I, my gut feel at the moment is that it's it's unlikely uh, that the Bank of England will cut this month. But it's got to be said, I was quite surprised by the dovishness, particularly of, of, of the governor's comments last week. I mean, the reason for sort of hang on, hanging your hat on the idea that interest rates in the UK are going nowhere in a hurry um, is simply, you know, part Brexit, because at the end of the day, yes, we'll be leaving the European Union at the end of January. But as we've talked about before, the key trade negotiations have still still got to be sorted out and that will be crucial to how the UK economy performs over coming years. So that in itself is reason for supposing that they won't want to do anything at this stage. However, you know, the, it's been the governor who's been plugging this idea that there should be some kind of um, bouncing confidence, uh, consumer and business confidence once the election's out of the way. But suddenly he seems to have sort of you know backtracked a bit on that. Uh, now, the bank has its own agents dotted around the UK who send in reports about how their little part of the UK economy is performing. And perhaps they've got information which, as yet, we simply don't have access to, and the economy is doing worse than the bank expected. Sure. Um, so I say my gut feel is probably no cut in interest rates in the UK for um, for January, but don't rule it out. But there is an increasing chance we'll see something by the end of the first quarter, unless we do see some kind of pickup in first quarter economic activity. I think for the, for the ECB at this stage, well, the talk from Lagarde and co is that things are looking a little bit better than they were before um so given that i think you know the attitude uh, next week when we get to the ecb meeting is that well look there's no point in us changing interest rates a number of the council meeting are unhappy with the looseness of policy at the moment and the data we've had in since we last moved well it's if anything it's a little bit better than perhaps we expected so i think ecb is pretty well done that they'll be on hold for some time yet what do you think the vague most uh, uh, marginal biases for the ECB. I can say for the Fed, mo- largely because of this uh, low average hourly earnings result. Uh, I I believe that the the long term marginal bias is toward another rate cut for the Fed. How would how would you uh, describe the ECB and also throw the, again the Bank of England in? Well, if ECB, I suppose you've got to say they're biased. I don't really tend to come out with a bias in the same way that, that the Fed does. But the ECB's attitude at the moment is kind of summed up, I guess, in its economic risks. So how it assesses risk to its own economic forecast. And as of the last meeting, they were still seen to be on the downside. So to that, in that context, you've got to see if they're going to move, then it's more likely we see, well, not necessarily cutting interest rates, perhaps an increasing of you know, the amount of, uh, quarter, uh, of monthly net asset purchase as they make, but certainly it would appear to be towards some kind of loosening. As far as the Bank of England is concerned, of course, well, for umpteen months now, we've been reminding uh, folks that the bank actually has a tightening bias under its central case scenario. And its central case scenario, as of the last couple of meetings, was that the UK would leave the European Union. It would agree a trade deal with the um, with the rest of the European Union, as a result of which we'd see a boost to economic activity, which, given the 
tightness of the labour market, etc., etc., would force it to raise interest rates in due course. But now, in the light of recent comments, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if any kind of hint of that sort of bias is dropped out of their communique at least once we get to the end of this month. And I guess on that basis, it's a neutral, perhaps even to a slight easier easier bias. But it's got to be said, I mean, financial markets never believed this idea that the bank would be about to tighten at any point in the foreseeable future anyway. And they've always believed that if interest rates in the UK were going to move, then mm-hmm. it'd be downward. Well, this is a green light for the financial markets, isn't it? This, this slightly marginal uh, emphasis on the possibility of, of uh, loosening. Um, that's all very favorable for stock markets. I think it is at the moment, just in the way these stock markets are going. I mean, you start thinking towards the back end of last year. Well, it's a heck of a good year they had last year. Short of it's going to be perhaps scoped for a little bit of a pullback early on. Although I suppose we're what we're just a few days into 2020, but what they've had so far, I suppose the news has been you know reasonably good. You can even have you know the the problems out in Iran and you know the the knee jerk reaction to that was very much a knee jerk reaction. You'd hardly know anything's happened at the moment, um, and that of course is always the danger because political tensions out there are still severe. There's an awful lot going on at the moment, so um, it could well be that where the nasty surprise is going to come from. But I think you're right at the moment in terms of momentum investors for whatever reason seem to be quietly confident about what's going to happen at least first half of 2020 globally everyone seems to be talking up the global economy now and really on the basis i suspect of not a great deal i mean yeah oh. these P- these pmis perhaps a little bit better than they used to mm-hmm. be but yeah. nothing to write home about and if we look at Europe, the likes of Germany and the orders data there, even though we had a good bounce in industrial production in the November figures for Germany, you know, the orders figures are still clearly trending south. Well, it's like so you it's, said, uh, Europe is starting perhaps to bottom. And, and I think that that's what the, the PMIs are showing. Uh, um, you know, uh, the worst may be over. Uh, who knows how, if, if, uh, how the pace of recovery might become, but might be. But, um, I, I, you know, I, um, that, that would seem, I mean, you were talking about talking up the global economy. Um, I guess it's the trend or the, the is it a pivot? I'm not sure it's, a, it's strong enough to be a pivot, but um, the, like you say, the worst may be over. Well, let's hope so. And I think on that suitably optimistic note, um, all the more optimistic the better since it's absolutely chucking it down with rain over here and half a hurricane blowing at the moment. Um, let's wrap it up here then. Um, next week, so sees the start of the 2020 central bank season, as we mentioned, with announcements due from Bank of Japan, Bank of Canada and the ECB ahead of the following week's Fed and Bank of England statements. It will certainly be interesting to hear what they think about recent developments at home and abroad. Meantime, from Mark and myself, thanks as always for tuning in. Remember to keep an eye on Econoday's global economic calendar and we'll be back next week. Bye for now.